This is the sound of South African sport. This is another sound of South African sport. And this is the most recent sound in South African sport. Transformation. Uh, when it comes to transformation, slow be, transformation. To be buying into transformation. Since the dawn of democracy, transformation has the transformation been. Transformation lies. Go back to the transformation issue. Let me start off by saying that I'm an advocate of transformation. After 300 years of wrong in this country, I do believe there needs to be some right. Unfortunately, the way that right is being applied is cynical and shredding the soul of South African sport. Let's put aside some of the recent disappointments: the South African cricket team's loss to Bangladesh in an ODI series, Bafana Bafana losing to Mauritania in an Afcon qualifier, and just this past weekend, the Springboks losing to Japan in what is probably the biggest upset in sporting history that I've seen. None of that really has anything to do with transformation. Let's look at what's really happening, and I want to take you back to Auckland in March this year. When the South African cricket team's World Cup dream was smashed over their heads for six by another South African, I was there that day. I watched the game. Really lovely stadium, Eden Park. Fantastic atmosphere and a crowd that got behind their team. This was New Zealand's World Cup. In the end, Australia won. But to be completely honest, it was New Zealand's World Cup. They did everything they had to do. They played out of their skins. They showed real commitment and passion and bravery. And ultimately, sport is about bravery. Japan showed us that this past weekend. They won hearts. They won matches too, and they won a lot of hearts. But something changed that day in Auckland, and it wasn't necessarily when the team was announced, and we knew that Vernon Philander would be in the starting eleven ahead of Kyle Abbott. To be completely honest, I'd actually thought that was going to happen. In the week leading up to the event, because we'd done an interview with Kyle Abbott beforehand, where he'd made it pretty clear that he understood that once Vernon Philander was fit again, he would be relegated to the bench. And I don't think that's because of a quota. I think that's because Kyle Abbott knew he was next in line, and Vernon Philander was first in line. And this type of thing has happened before. Marshant Langer replaced Vernon Philander in a Test match against、um, Sri Lanka two or three years ago. He took seven for eighty-four. And、uh, when Philander was fit, Marshant Langer was dropped. Kyle Abbott replaced Jack Callis in a Test match. He took seven for twenty-nine. When Jack Callis was fit, Kyle Abbott was dropped. So these are the kinds of things that were happening. And it was pretty clear that Philander would resume his place in the starting eleven. It was also pretty clear that the South African cricket team needed to field four players of colour. What was not clear was whether this was something that was agreed by the ministry. Whether this was something that was agreed with higher officials, or whether it was just a policy that they were implementing to show a commitment to transformation, and that only became clear afterwards when weeks of allegations were followed by an admission from the cricketing authorities that there had been some consultation in selection, and you can interpret that in whatever way you want. But I want to go back to the moment, the moment where Dale Stain had the ball in his hand.、Um, New Zealand needed four runs to win. People were screaming,、um, emotions were running really, really high, and Grant Elliot just stepped out and smashed that ball back over Dale Stain's head. And 
It, it was incredibly emotional. It was incredibly heart-sore to see grown men's dreams dashed in that way. But what really changed was when four players in that squad, four players who I don't think will play the next World Cup, but I may be wrong, Aby de Villiers, Dale Steyn, Mornay Morkel and Faf Duplessis collapsed onto the turf in tears. And these were grown men and those were real tears. And in that moment, I thought to myself that nothing would ever be the same again, that South African sport would never be the same again. And I felt something die. I felt something break. And I wasn't sure if it was just the emotion of the moment. I wasn't sure if it was just the fact that I had a lot of work to do um, because I'm a cricket journalist. I had a lot of stories to write that night. But something definitely changed in that moment. Um, And I haven't felt the same since we all came home. In the day or two after that, um, Cricket South Africa released a new transformation policy which included um, an increased quota at franchise level, which again is something I support. And in the months that followed, we've seen a number of black African players make their debut for the national team. We've seen Temba Bavuma play in a test match. In fact, that actually happened before that. We've seen Eddie Lee play. We've seen Kahiso Rabada play. And so these guys are being given opportunity, deserved opportunity, because a guy like Atemba Bavuma is a fantastic batsman, and Kahiso Rabada could well be South Africa's next best bowler. So these guys should be given opportunity. But something is amiss. And I think what's amiss is that we're now colouring by numbers. We're playing a game where it seems that the national authorities have decided that we need to meet a certain number of players of each colour in a team. And in the South African cricket team, it seems like one black African player needs to play all the time. So when Eddie Lee didn't play, then Aaron Pangiso played. When Kakiso Rabada didn't play, then Eddie Lee played. And this is a little bit strange because it's meeting a minimum requirement and it's meeting the requirement on a condition where as long as you have somebody of that colour playing, it doesn't actually matter who that person is or what they're offering. And that is going to destroy South African sport. And we're seeing, it, we're seeing it very obviously. South African cricket team have recently released their squads to go to India. Kaya Zondo is in the T20 squad. That's fantastic. Kaya Zondo was the second highest run scorer for the Dolphins in the Sunfall series two seasons ago. He knows how to play the game. He made his first class debut at 17. He deserves his spot. Should he be playing T20 cricket? I'm not sure. Aaron Pangiso was in South Africa's test squad to Bangladesh. Test squad. Aaron Pangiso, who doesn't play much first-class cricket, found his way into the test squad. He didn't play a game. Those types of decisions are not making sense. And it makes me want to analyse what's going on in South African sport and where the sincerity of transformation lies. In the lead-up to the Springboks' first game against Japan, and obviously there's a celebration of 20 years of them winning the World Cup in '95. I read a couple of pieces written across various international platforms. One of them was by Tom Hamilton, who's my colleague at ESPN Scrum. And he noted um, stories about young black players not getting opportunity. But the most interesting piece I found was written by David Smith in The Guardian, where he'd interviewed a young black player who was offered a contract at the Bulls, an academy contract, and he was offered this contract for 3,000 rand a month. He rejected it upon discovering that the white players at the Bulls had been offered contracts ranging from about six to 8,000 rand. And eventually this player got a contract at the Lions for 10,000 rand. He didn't play much, he didn't make it. Um, ultimately he was dropped from the Lions team, and he claims that it was a racial bias. And he told a couple of stories which have included things like being at the Bulls and being told that unless he spoke Afrikaans he was never going to make it. He was told that he had 
Lions management telling him they were under pressure to pick former Springbok sons, and so he would have to be twice or even three times as good to make the team. And then there was a defense from the Lions about how he just wasn't good enough, and blaming it on a racial bias is not something that they take kindly to. So there are two sides to the story, and David Smith has done a really good job of leaving it open-ended and of leaving us to make a decision on whose side we believe, and I'm not sure whose side I believe. What's interesting to me about those two stories and and what Tom Hamilton wrote in Scrum, he's a colleague of mine, he's travelled through South Africa, he visited the Eastern Cape, he visited parts of the high felt extensively in Cape Town and tried to understand why transformation in rugby has been so slow. And what's interesting to me about this is that it's coming to global attention that 21 years after democracy, we're still fielding teams that are non-representative. Of course, Bafana Bafana is not going to come into this debate because there was recently a great list of players, um, black players for the Proteas, black players for the Springboks, white players for Bafana Bafana, and of course the white player list for Bafana Bafana was much longer. And in fact, someone made the point that the white players who have played for Bafana Bafana, the Dean Furmans, the Matthew Booths, the Neil Tovies, we've loved them, we've embraced them as a nation and made them feel more than welcome. Maybe some of it has even been over the top. Whereas the black players who've played for the Springboks and the Proteas have always had to prove themselves a little more. And that's a problem. But now this is finally coming to global attention and people are finally starting to look at the issues around transformation. And they're asking themselves, what in the system has gone wrong that players are not coming through? And they're finding that talking about grassroots is simply not the answer anymore. It's an easy answer. It's easy to say, go into the township put up a cricket field, put up some rugby posts, flood them with resources and something will come through. That's actually not true. And various studies have shown that the places where players are being lost are in that age group between 18 and 23 when young people of all races usually have to find employment. The bottom line is that young white players are more likely to have family structural support and are less likely to need employment as desperately as young players of other colours. And so unless those young players of other colours are contracted and have a steady form of income, they will have to move on, they will have to find work elsewhere, and they're being lost in the system. But this doesn't address some of the other prejudice. And there is a lot of other prejudice that we need to talk about here. It's the prejudice of coaches, it's the prejudice of having a white coach who'd rather trust a white player than a black player. It's the prejudice of societal problems like nutrition, ability to treat injuries, all these kinds of things that are finally coming to the world's attention and people are starting to ask, what is South Africa doing to change the nature of its sport? And I actually don't think it's doing enough. I'm not sure that there's enough being done to change the mindset. A former South African convener of selectors that I spoke to Years before this came to global attention, actually, it was probably three or four years ago, when I asked him what is the biggest problem, what is the biggest obstacle to transformation, he said to me, the mindsets have not changed. And I think that is the root cause of the problem. And I think we're now trying to force a mindset change. And we're trying to force it amongst the unwilling. And in trying to force this mindset change amongst the unwilling, we're getting results that are embarrassing us. We're losing to Bangladesh. We're losing to Mauritania, although that probably is for other reasons. We're losing to Japan. And it's easy for reactionaries to blame that on transformation. And it's easy for the rest of us to say, maybe this is not working as we want it to be working. But the real truth is that we're not changing enough. And that night in Auckland, when I thought nothing would ever be the same again, I think I was right. And it's concerning me because I can't watch South African sport 
without wondering what's going on behind the scenes, and they're taking our joy away. And the Springboks may well end up playing in the quarterfinals, the semifinals. Heck, they might even bring the World Cup home, which will be great. But it's not going to change that the things that really need to change are not changing, that South African sport is not transforming, and that unless we embrace this idea and concept of change more wholeheartedly, we're not going to get joy out of sport again. I'm a sports journalist. I make my money writing about cricket, football, and rugby, but I can't say it makes me as happy as it used to, and I find that really concerning. So I hope this hasn't depressed everyone too much because the World Cup has just begun and there's a lot of rugby to watch, and the South African cricket team are embarking on a 72-day tour of India and there's a lot of cricket to watch, and we don't have to think about Bafana Bafana for some time, which is great. I think we have to keep watching, but we also have to keep demanding change.